This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It's a pleasure to be with you today on Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate your watching today. Today on Know Your Bible, we're going to discuss a subject that runs throughout the entirety of the Bible, something that's needed in our world today, and something that affects the lives of each and every one of us. I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss this all-important subject today. On Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. We've been doing this now for a long, long time, and because we continue to get such results and, and such uh, requests for the Bible course, we continue to offer it. And we want you to have this free Bible correspondence course. Frequently someone will call and they say, well, I, I, I saw about the Bible course on the program, and, and, but I'd like to know what, what does it cost? And I'd like to assure you that there is absolutely no cost for this Bible course. You may say, well, why do you offer something and you offer it for free? It's because we want you to know more about your Bible. We want to offer this so that you'll have some method, some way uh, of, of studying the Bible in the privacy of your home that you can learn more about the Word of God. That's the only motive that we have in doing this. And so in order that you might know a little bit more about the course and you might know more about how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from John, the third chapter, beginning in verse 14 and reading through verse number 17. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. If I were to ask you right now to name the one thing that's the most needed thing in our world, what would you say? How would you answer? And I'm certain there are all kinds of answers that would be given. But I am convinced that the most needed thing in our world today is love. The kind of love that we read about in the Bible. I got to thinking about it a few days ago about the subject of love and I I began to think about the one writer in the Bible that talked about it an awful lot. And that's the that's the that's John. And and of course in the book of first John he talks an awful lot about love. But I began to think about the times that he talked about love in the Gospel of John. 
And so today I want to talk to you about love as it is found in John's gospel. And I'd call your attention first of all to John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I doubt that there are very few people that cannot quote that. I have an idea that most of you that are watching right now can, can quote that passage to some extent at least because it's such a familiar passage of Scripture. And that verse tells us about the greatest being there is, and that's God. For God, for God. It tells us about the greatest thing, and that's love. He so loved. He loved to the extent, that is, he loved to the degree. And, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 13, John, there Paul said, Now abideth faith, hope, and love these three, but the greatest of these is love. So this verse tells us about that great thing, the greatest thing in the world, and that's love. For God so loved. Then this verse tells us about the greatest number, the world. And that's the whole human race. For God so loved the world. And then it tells us about the greatest gift ever given to man. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the only son of a kind he gave to this world. And this verse tells us about the greatest faith that whosoever believeth in him and it tells us also about the greatest tragedy should not perish. People who fail to have Christ in their lives will perish eternally. But this verse also tells us about the greatest human blessedness and that, that is everlasting life. What love. I really don't quite grasp the great love of God. What would motivate God to give the only son that he had, the one of a kind, to save this old world? God so loved the world. Now as we look at love in the gospel according to John, turn over to John the fifth chapter and verse number 42. In John chapter 5, beginning in verse 39, Jesus said, Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have life, and they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men. But now listen to him in verse 42. But I know you that you have not the love of God in you. You know, it's as though God were saying, you may not know, others may not know, but I know. And I know that you do not have God's love in your heart. It's a sad thing when, when the Lord knows that we don't have the love of God in our hearts. We're to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with our very being. But Jesus said, I know you that you don't have the love of God in your heart. When you have the love of God in you, you're going to love the things that God loves. When you have the love of God in you, you're going to consider important in your life the things that are important to God. Such things as preaching the gospel. Such things as helping the poor. Such, such things as, as, as worshiping on the Lord's day. Those things will become important to you when, when you really love God. 
You, you see, if you want to learn how, how much an individual loves God, find out how that person treats the things that you would naturally associate with God. And if they do not treat the things that you would naturally associate with God in a, in a good way, in a right way, well then there's reason to believe that person has a very weak love for God. So here Jesus said, I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. When we have God's love in us, we're going to love His Word. When we have the love of God in us, we're going to love His church. When we have the love of God in us, we're going to love God's people. We're going to love our fellow man. We're going to love our families. When we have God's love in us, then we're going to live as close to God as we possibly can. But then again, in John's Gospel, we turn now to John the 11th chapter. And in John the 11th chapter, we have a very interesting story found in the life of Jesus. Jesus had some very close friends by the name of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It seems as though Jesus spent a great deal of time in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and they were special to him. But then in John the 11th chapter and in verse number 2, we learn that Lazarus was sick. And so they sent word to Christ, Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. They knew how Jesus felt about Lazarus. They knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. So they sent for him to come. And in verse number 5, the Bible says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, that is Mary, and Lazarus. And so Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But then Jesus delayed his coming, and in the meantime, Lazarus died, and he was buried. But when he came to the home of Lazarus and found that Lazarus had already been buried, Jesus said to his sisters, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said, Well, I know that he'll rise again at the resurrection at the last day. But then Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever believeth and believeth in him shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said, Lord, I believe. Well, Jesus was very sorrowful over the death of Lazarus. As a matter of fact, if you'll notice in verse 35, there are just two words in verse 35. I have noted over the years when young people are asked to, to quote some passage of Scripture, there will always be one or more that will quote John 11:35. Jesus wept. Oh, there are just two words. But sometimes I wonder if we understand what those two words really meant. Jesus wept. Look at the very next passage. And the Jews said, Behold how he loved him. Jesus loved Lazarus. Why did he weep when he came to the tomb of Lazarus? Well, first of all, here's someone that Jesus loved and he had died. Someone has suggested the reason that Jesus wept is because he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead and bring Lazarus back into this, from a world of bliss and happiness into a world that is filled with sin and suffering and sorrow. And so Jesus wept when he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead.
when Jesus went out to the tomb of Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And someone has said that had he not called Lazarus by name, he had erased every dead person in the cemetery because Jesus Christ is Lord. But the thing I want us to get is Jesus had some special friends and Jesus loved his friends. I suppose every man who preaches the gospel of Christ has certain ones that he considers to be very special friends to him. And he's closer to them perhaps than he is others. Jesus was. He seemed to have been closer to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus than perhaps he was to some others. He loved them. He loved Martha. He loved Mary. And he loved Lazarus. Now turn to John the 13th chapter where John is talking about Jesus Christ and the love that Jesus had for his disciples. I want to read now verse number 1 from John chapter 13. We're talking about love in the gospel of John. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, notice it now, he loved them unto the end. And verse 2 says, and supper being ended, the devil now having now been put into the heart of Judas's carrot, Simon, Simon's son, to betray him. And so here was Lazarus, uh, uh, Judas, at the uh, table where Jesus was sitting, and where the Bible says that he loved them, that is the disciples there, unto the end. And there would have been one rascal in that crowd that Jesus loved, he even loved the man that was about to betray him. It's in this chapter that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Jesus was not instituting some ordinance to be initiated into worship today, that is foot washing or feet washing, but rather Jesus was teaching a principle of love and humility that even those who are in positions of authority ought to be humble enough to wash the feet of other people. But now I want to call your attention to verses 34 and 35. We're talking about love in the gospel of John. And Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Love one to another. Notice verse 34 first of all. He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Well, this really wasn't a new commandment in the sense that it had never been said before because in, even in the Old Testament they were taught to love one another. But it was new in that Jesus said, you are to love one another just like I have loved you. And that was sacrificial love. It was love to the, to the fullest degree when Jesus said, this is the kind of commandment I'm giving you that you love one another as I have loved you. And then he said, here's how people will know that you are my disciples. Here's how people will know that you are a Christian. And that's by the love that you have one for another. So how do people know we're Christians? Is it by the way that we worship? No. Is it the name that, that we have on the front of our building? No. No. That they may know that that's where God's people meet and they may know that you worship correctly in spirit and in truth. 
But the way that we know that we're Christians is by the attitude, the love that we have one for another. How do people know that you are a child of God? How do people know, for example, that you've been baptized for the remission of your sins? How do people know that you observe the Lord's Supper on the first day of every week? How do people know that you call yourself a Christian and a Christian only? It's by the love that you have for one another. And so this is such an important thing about love found in the Gospel of John. Isn't it interesting? All of the things that we're finding in John's Gospel about love. Now turn to the 14th chapter of John's Gospel. This time now in verse number 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. There are some translations that actually say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And that in reality is what our Lord was saying, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. What does it really mean to love the Lord? Well, have you ever seen a bumper sticker that said, honk if you love Jesus? You can honk your horn if you want to, but I can tell you, there's a lot more to loving Jesus than honking your horn. You can honk your horn until Gabriel comes and blows his trumpet. And that doesn't mean that you love Jesus unless you're keeping the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you love me, keep my commandments. Now notice verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Do we want to be loved by the Lord? Yes. Do we want the Father to love us? Well, of course we do. Then we're going to have to keep His commandments. You see, you cannot separate keeping the commandments of God from loving God. But the fact is, when you love the Lord, you're going to keep the commandments of the Lord. First John, the fifth chapter and verse 3, another passage written by John reads like this. For this is the love of God, that you keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. And so when we love God, we're going to keep the commandments of the Lord. Notice verse 15 again, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now notice verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with Him. Do you want the Lord to abide with you? Do you want the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to abide with you? Then you've got to keep His words. You can't live in rebellion to the Word of God and think that God is going to be with you. It just doesn't work that way, does it? And so notice it again, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21 he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, it is he that loveth me. Verse 23, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And so loving God and obeying God go together. And where there is no obedience, there is no love. Oh, I've heard people talk about loving the Lord, say, oh yes, I love the Lord. And, and they, at that very moment in their life, they were living in disobedience to God. And they may be convinced, they may be deceived into thinking they're loving God, but the fact of the matter is, if they're not doing what God says, they don't love God. 
Now turn to John the 15th chapter. So much in the gospel of John about love. Look in verse number 12 in John chapter 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so here's the commandment that we have to love other people just like the Lord Jesus Christ has loved us. And that's a pretty tall order, isn't it? When I have to love you and you have to love me just like the Lord has loved both of us. But notice in the 13th verse, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And then verse 14, You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Again, we get back to obeying the Lord and loving the Lord, don't we? But notice verse 13, Greater love, greater love hath no man than this, well, what is that great love? That a man lay down his life for his friends. I'm, I'm sure that all of us have heard some incident where an individual sacrificed his life or her life for a friend or even a family member. I, I'm sure we've all heard of incidents like that. But the greatest love of all is when someone would sacrifice themselves for somebody that, that did not even love them. Jesus laid down His life for His friends, and His friends are people that will do what He says. That's according to verse 14. But Jesus not only laid down His life for His friends, He laid down His life for His enemies. He died for the very ones that were guilty of crucifying Him. God commendeth His Lord love toward us in the while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus not only died for for his friends, he died for his enemies as well. And I know that he died for me and he died for you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Now if you will, turn in your Bibles to John the 21st chapter. And we have some other things in John chapter 21 about love. In this particular chapter, Jesus was with the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias and, and there was the Simon Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel and others there. Uh, they, they were fishing. And they had not been very successful. Maybe their fishing is about like my fishing. I, I don't always catch as many fish as I would like when I go fishing. And their nets were empty and Jesus told them to, Asked them, did they have any meat? And they said, well, no, Lord, we, we don't have any meat, meaning we don't have any fish. And he told them to cast the net on the right side. I don't know whether they'd been casting it on the wrong side or not. I think the Lord was talking about on the right rather than on the left. But when I fish, I always cast on the wrong side of the boat, seemingly, because the fish must be on the other side because I don't catch any. So he told them to cast on the right side and and then they caught so many fish in their net, they weren't able to draw, draw it in because, of, it says, because of the multitude of the fish. And then Jesus uh, uh, the, was talking to Peter, and uh, he asked Peter some questions. Now they had sat down to eat some of these fish around the fire, and, and if you'll notice in the 15th verse, Jesus is talking, addressing himself to Peter. And he says, after when they had dined, he said, Simon, 
son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. And he saith unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whether thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whether thou wouldest not. Peter was going to live to be an old man. People would have to help him around. But I want you to think about it. Think about the questions Jesus asked Peter three times. Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me more than these? Sometimes people want to know who are the these. I don't know whether he was talking about the fish. I don't know whether he was talking about the other disciples that were sitting there. I have no idea. I don't think any of us really know. But the question is, lovest thou me more than these? And when he got down to asking him the third time, he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And he said, I want you to go and feed my sheep. I find it interesting that Peter denied Jesus three times. And now three times Peter is acknowledging his love for Jesus. The question for us today is this. Do you love me more than? Do we love the Lord more than we love the world? Do we love the Lord more than we love having a good time? Do we love the Lord more than we love partying? Do we love the Lord more than we love sports? Do we love the Lord more than we do our own families? Do we love the Lord more than we love our own life? We're to love Him supremely. He is our Lord. And he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Would you not obey him by believing on him with all of your heart? John 8, 24. By repenting of your sins, Luke 13, 3. By confessing your faith in him, Romans 10, verse 9 and verse 10. By being baptized into him for the remission of your sins, Acts 2 and 38. Jesus Christ. Loved you enough to die for you. Live for him. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible Correspondence Course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. This is a free call. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.